0: It is 2020. Happy New Year. You know, at the top of the year, everybody I feel like is holding that mirror up and saying, what am I going to do different this year?
1: Yes. You see all the commercials for gym memberships and things like that because people are trying to get their, their fitness in order. Yes. I need to do that as well.
0: I feel like you can always count on a couple things. You can count on people getting gym memberships. Mm -hmm. and saying they're working out.
1: Mm -hmm. People packing that lunch. (laughs) (laughs) People are saying, I'm not going to eat out as much this year. I tweeted that. I tweeted that the other day. I was like, the motto for 2020 is you have food at home. Eat what you got in your fridge, TT. Yes. And I think people are hyper-focused on their pockets. Definitely.
0: And, you know, that could be for many reasons. I think sometimes after the holiday season, after you've purchased
1: all those gifts. Yeah, I feel like I was in a better space because I told everybody, no one is getting a gift. No one. (laughs) No one over the age of six is getting a gift. I'm behind it. I'm Titi. And I'm Zakia, And from Spotify Studios, this is Dope Labs. Oh, oh.
0: My timeline has been filled with people talking about cutting expenses and generating new lines of income. Sometimes people say I didn't do as much with my money or I didn't do as well with my money in 2019. So in 2020, I'm going to make some changes.
1: Have you seen that kind of stuff? I've seen some memes that are like, oh, how to save, you know, a few thousand dollars by the end of the year. And it has like a metric where it's like if you save, you know, two dollars every day, then you'll be able to get to a certain amount of money. Or if you save like two dollars and four dollars and six dollars and things like that. And so people are trying to find all the cheat codes to level up with their bank account.
0: And I think this puts us in just the right position to kind of jump into some of the tools people are using to hit these financial goals.
1: Because there are a lot out there. So this week,
0: we're talking about fintech. Fintech FinTech is short for financial technology. In order for something to be considered fintech, it must be technology that connects you to a financial
1: system. So like to your bank or your credit card or something like that. Right. Right.
0: And you may think you don't know any fintech apps, but I guarantee you that you do.
1: Yes. Fintech apps are basically running our lives, and we had no idea. There are a couple of different
0: categories, and I won't hit all of them, but those that are kind of digital banking, so Chime, if you've heard of that, those that let you send different payments, so Venmo, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Samsung Pay. Cash app. Business tools, um, so things that help you if you have a business, that help you kind of run your business Retail investing, so Acorn, if you've heard of that one, or Robinhood, or Symphony, if you use that banking system. Crowdfunding, so Kickstarter is a fintech app. GoFundMe. That's right, and Patreon is a fintech app as well. Mm -hmm. Even some new insurance options are actually financial technology companies. Yes, like
1: there's stuff for car insurance, medical insurance.
0: If you're already using these or thinking about using one, we're here to help you learn a little bit more about how these apps work. And how they can work for you. And how you can get yourself situated for 2020. So let's get into the recitation.
1: Now that we know some examples of what fintech is, what
0: questions do we have? I want to know how these apps make their money. Should I trust them? Are they selling
1: my information? Are they robbing us and we don't even know?
0: (laughs) What makes people use these apps? And if I'm trying to save more money in 2020... Which apps should I use? What
1: strategies should I follow? Okay, so now that we know the questions that we want to ask, let's jump into the dissection. Oh. FinTech is a major industry. By September 2019, about 2,700 FinTech startup companies raised over 160 Billion dollars of capital. That's a lot of money. Lots. The
0: various types of fintech can be broadly clustered into categories like consumer lending, point-of-sale systems, retail investing, personal finance, money transfer, and crowdfunding, just to name a few.
1: We're going to walk through some of the different categories, highlighting the positives and negatives. Then we'll outline strategies using these apps
2: to reach your 2020 financial goals.
0: And to help us get into the nitty-gritty about all things fintech, we called on Dr. Bill Maurer.
2: My name is Bill Maurer, and I'm an anthropology professor at the University of California at Irvine, where I direct a research center called the Institute for Money, Technology, and Financial Inclusion. And basically, at that institute, what I study is the interaction between new technologies and how those things interact with people's existing uh, financial practices, savings behavior, their understandings of money and value, um, their understandings of debt, and so on.
0: Fintech is all around us, and it can feel like these apps have been around forever.
1: But that's not exactly the case. Yes. so our first question for Dr. Maurer was, when did all of this stuff start popping
2: up? This really kind of hit the scene in a big way in 2008 and 2009 with the launch of the iPhone.
0: Yes, the iPhone launched in the U.S. in 2007, but the iPhone 3G came on the scene in 2008. Revolutionary. (laughs) It changed everything. (laughs)
2: All of a sudden, people have this really cool device that fits in their pocket and is basically a terrific interface into a whole bunch of different applications. Our, our whole kind of app ecology grew up around the iPhone and similar devices, and people in Silicon Valley and in the banking industry and payments industry started realizing, hey, this device, this suite of devices and apps could really change people's relationship to their money and to the existing financial and banking infrastructure.
0: I love that he describes this as ecology because we've talked about ecology on a couple of different episodes. Yes. And so ecology is just how different things, usually in biology we say how different organisms interact with one another. But now we're saying How do these different apps talk to each other? How do people want to access their information now that they have a smartphone? So it's really cool to think about this in the context of more of a relationship.
1: Yeah, so these apps have created their own special environment. That's right. So
0: the first category we're walking through is personal finance. These are apps like Mint, Credit Karma, You Need a Budget, and even your personal banking app. Generally, they help you manage your spending and saving.
2: These apps basically serve almost as like training wheels, right? So it's like training wheels on a bicycle. It teaches you a little bit about budgeting and investing or savings. It's usually not enough to get you where you need to go, but it gives you basic skills and a basic vocabulary. So then you can start talking to other people, to friends, to your parents, or even walk into your credit union or bank and start asking better questions.
1: And these apps or services can be really good for helping people make smarter financial decisions. This help comes primarily in two ways. The first is by data visualization, or giving people charts and graphs to show them what they're really doing with their money.
2: For so many people, money's just coming in and going out, and they're not really being mindful about it or paying any attention to where things are going.
0: We all know we're getting more than the basics when we go to Target. Yes. You're getting stuff that's not on your list.
1: You went there for toilet paper. You came out with a flat-screen TV. The hair supplies. That little one dollar area in the front, mm-hmm. it's a wrap. It is. I'm in there getting all
0: seasonal decor, whatever they have, I'm <laughs> grabbing
1: it. Like I do need a new toaster.
0: I think we would all be shocked if we could see just how much we're spending at Target every month.
2: What most of these budgeting apps do is they connect up to your your bank account and your um you know your debit card and your credit card, all of your accounts. Um, and they're constantly pulling data in from those accounts. So they're seeing what you're doing. And then they can represent that data to you with cool visuals and graphics to help you understand where your money's going and then to help you change your behavior, at least in theory.
0: Yes. For me, I'm a visual learner. So, <laughs> you know, just seeing the dollar size, I'm like, yeah, the money's going down. Right. But when you see that pie chart and it says, hey, 60% of your shopping was at Target. That's a
1: reality check. Yeah. For me, I realized that I spend way more money on pizza than I do on, like, toothpaste.
0: Good. <laughs> I hope so, unless you're eating that toothpaste. <laughs> One of the FinTech apps that I use, and I used it a couple years ago, mm-hmm. is Mint. Oh, I use that too. Really? hmm I like Mint um, because it will kind of show you all these different categories. You can create some new categories, and it can say, hey... You're spending more on this this month than you did last month. Right. Or outside of your budget.
1: What Mint showed me is that I use um, Lyft a lot. And so I was like, you know what, TT? Sometimes you don't need someone to drive you. Sometimes you can drive yourself. Or walk. Oh. <laughs> That's not a part of my New Year's resolution. <laughs> what? I hate working out.
0: So for us, these types of visualizations really help us understand what some of our spending patterns or trends are. But the other way fintech helps people be smarter with their money is through gamification.
2: And what that means is, you know, there's little points that you earn or little stickers or stars or there's bars that fill up with, you know, uh, green or the, you know, the red red circle slowly turns into a green circle.
0: Even though I don't want to believe that I'm swayed by this type of gamification, I know that it's true. Mm -hmm. I want to get all the stars, Mm -hmm. all the stickers. I want to have 9 lives. I want whatever <laughs> it is, I want
1: to get the super plus bonus. Right. I want all those things. You know when you're driving on ways and you see that um that little power up thing coming it's like, "Oh, once you cross this place and you get 10 points." I'd be so excited. I don't even know what those 10 points do.
2: <laughs> and this is just tapping into basic psychology, right? Of like we get a little reward for doing something and our dopamine goes crazy in our brain and we're like, "Ooh, that felt good. I want more of that."
1: And there
0: you have it. Fintech makes you feel good.
1: I love a gold star or, you know, something filling up green or whatever. It makes me feel like, go TT, go TT, go TT. <laughs>
0: <laughs> While data visualization and gamification might help us make smarter decisions, the fintech environment also brought about some new norms that make managing your spending a little bit harder. One of the things about some of these apps, and
1: and I guess you could call this a downside. Right. Is that they sometimes send you mixed messages. Right. So you might be spending a lot of money on pizza. But then you get an ad that shows a coupon for a pizza place. So why is that?
2: Some of the budgeting apps, they, the apps themselves make their money by selling ads to you or by, you know, kind of making you offers that they get a little bit of a return on.
0: So now that you know that, you can avoid those ads. So sorry, TT. Doesn't mean that you get more pizza.
1: Fine. Another category is point of sale and shopping. These are apps like Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, Zelle, and Square. And we use these apps to purchase products or services. It makes paying really easy and avoids some of the hassle of cash transactions. It's also a really great tool for some small businesses because they can avoid the fees that are normally attached to card purchases. And it's good for the customer because then we don't have to have a minimum amount purchased in order to use these apps like we do with a credit card.
0: I think initially I was a little skeptical and some of my friends were
1: skeptical about these apps at first. I definitely was skeptical at first.
0: And now it feels like everybody's using them.
2: You know, it just became, it became so generalized and second nature to people over time to just start putting their credit card information into everything, right?
0: But what we know, maybe this is based on some of my own personal experience, is is that these (laughs) apps make it really easy to spend money because often all of your information is already stored or pre-populated in the app.
1: Yes, because the way that smartphones are set up these days, everything auto-populates. Your name, your address, your cell phone number, your social security number, your mama's maiden name, what you ate for breakfast, everything.
0: And we talked about how putting credit card information
1: into your browser. We talked about that on our end of the year mixtape.
2: When you have mobile browsers and even browsers on your your computer that auto-populate your credit card information, right, that save it and auto-populate, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yes, I will buy all of these things on Amazon right now because my card is already there.
0: That can lead to a lot of late night shopping, I do admit. I did buy that cool aunt sweatshirt. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. The thing here is these various types of fintech can make capturing your coins really easy, but it also can make giving them away pretty easy, too. So be careful with that. The next category is consumer lending. These categories include Affirm, Afterpay, Credify, and Bond Street. Are these apps? Not exactly. Not all of these are apps. So Affirm is something you'll sometimes see on a website when you get ready to check out. And it may say you can split your payment into, you know, you can do this with 0% financing over 12 months. Peloton offers Affirm. Mm. I've often seen on um, like Shopbop and some other websites, they offer Afterpay. So you buy it and you can pay later. Urban
1: Outfitters and a lot of different uh, clothing websites now. And there
0: are some technologies like Zelle that... Yes, have a standalone app, but are also integrated. So Zelle is integrated. If you have Bank of America, Zelle is an option. If you have Wells Fargo, Zelle is an option. And so now that's why one in two people that have a bank account have access to Zelle. That's amazing. Because they they have the best of both worlds. You can download another app or you don't have to. You just use
1: it in your own banking app. It's pretty clever. Definitely. It gives people the opportunity to make purchases that they can't afford all at once and pay it off in tiny chunks.
0: Let's just take the holidays, for example. If I don't have cash or credit, I might take a payday loan. And those things have incredible interest and have all these fees attached to them. But something like firm or Afterpay allows me to make a purchase and I can pay it in small chunks. Now, this still requires you to have some type of credit. Mm -hmm. While offering more payment options is really great, some of these fintech apps use something called alternative risk scoring. This is a practice that can mine other types of data to determine your credit worthiness.
1: Yeah, so some consumer lending companies have access to our social profiles, our cell phone location information and browsing histories, and they're using that to determine our credit worthiness.
0: The key thing here is that all of these different companies have proprietary algorithms.
1: An algorithm is an equation that is used to determine a risk or an outcome. What some of them might be doing is taking like your browsing history and putting that into their algorithm to determine your credit worthiness.
0: So the thing to remember is that these algorithms are proprietary. That means they belong to those companies and they don't have to share what the algorithm actually is. The problem with that is that if we don't know what information is being collected or used, we can't really tell if it's being used correctly or maybe being misinterpreted.
2: One of the really pernicious things here is you'll have people in the industry who will say, oh, hey, it's an algorithm, it's a computer. This is going to eliminate bias because you're not going to have, you know, someone sitting in a loan office looking at someone um, across a table from them where implicit or explicit bias can creep in. This is totally neutral. It's the computer. But so much depends on the data that's fed into it, the histories of how those data are collected.
1: Yeah, I mean, what if my niece has my phone? She's five years old. And let's say she's been on YouTube binge-watching cartoons. And then the consumer lending company sees that. And they may consider YouTube binge-watching cartoons a negative uh, marker in their algorithm. But we have no way of knowing that, right? We don't. So that's kind of
0: the tricky part about all of this. You know, we've talked about bias in the past, but this is something to really consider. And this is something that the new Apple credit card really... Uh, recently came under fire about. So the Apple credit card, which is paired with Goldman Sachs, there were reports that it may have some type of bias
2: against women. Women are getting lower credit uh, limits than their husbands, even if they have the same household and the same bank account and that sort of a thing.
0: And so there's something in that algorithm that's giving them that. And it may not even be explicitly... If you're a woman, lower. If you're a man, higher. But it could be something else around patterns or trends that we don't even realize. But we don't know that algorithm, so we can't say. Right. Right now, New York state regulators are investigating whether Apple credit cards algorithm is
1: sexist. When we come back, we'll talk about how you can make smarter financial decisions in 2020 and how to evaluate what fintech to try.
0: We're back. So how can we make smart financial choices in 2020? Is there a way to use fintech for our good? According to Dr. Maurer, you shouldn't rely entirely on technology to get your finances back on track. Instead, you should use it as a tool, part of your larger strategy. And the first step of that strategy shouldn't be to download an app. It should be to set a goal.
2: Set for yourself a realistic goal. And a realistic goal might be something like I'm going to pay off 20% of my credit card debt this year, right? Not 50, not 75, not all of it. I'm just going to pay off 20% of it. And then you can use those apps to track how you're getting toward that goal.
1: Having a realistic goal is important because otherwise you can get frustrated and just give up. The second step of your strategy should be a debt assessment. Pull together all of your loans, credit card balances, car loans, student loans, all that stuff and compare their interest rates.
2: And start really focusing on those highest interest debts, the highest interest credit cards. Pay those off first, right? And then work your way down. Don't waste your time going all like investing in Bitcoin or or whatever while you're trying to pay off your debt, right? You're focusing on paying off your debt.
1: Yes,
0: you have to crawl before you ball. Focus on your debts before you start
1: investing. Yeah, invest in yourself before you're investing in other things.
0: So we have a strategy for debt. How should we manage the rest of our budgets?
2: There's the 50-30-20 budget rule. And this is a thing that Elizabeth Warren and her daughter came up with. And basically, they're like, you should allow yourself 50% on your actual needs. And that's like your your rent, your mortgage, your food, medicine, stuff, that that kind of thing. And then they say 30% on your wants, on your desires. And then 20% to your savings and or paying off your debts. I think that's a pretty good rule. The only thing I might do is like flip it, flip those last two so that you're um, allowing yourself, you know, 20% on your wants and then 30% on your, your debts and your savings.
1: Even though fintech is about making transactions easier and more convenient, to help keep our spending under control, Dr. Maurer suggests that we make things harder for ourselves. So don't have it so that you're Information, your credit card information auto-populates in Amazon or anything like that. Make it so that you have to physically put it in every single time.
2: And that's going to create a tiny little mental speed bump so that you think about it just for like 10 more seconds. Anything you can do to slow yourself down is going to help.
0: So now if my information doesn't auto-populate on my iPhone, when I'm searching in the night, I'm going to have to message you and say, Hey, (laughs) Here's this link. (laughs) Can you buy this for me? I'll Venmo you tomorrow.
1: And I'm like, okay, sure. My stuff is still stored.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to take it
1: out. Mm -mm. Dr. Maurer actually said that that's a
2: good idea. Even that, I think, is better, right? If you do a thing of like, you know... Hey, TT, can you buy me this thing? I'll Venmo you. And then you're spending all that time texting. And then TT's like, what? Does Zakia really need that? And then maybe TT's like, do you really need that? And Zakia's like, yes, like shut up, give me the thing that I need and I'll Venmo you. You're putting more space, right? You're, giving, you're putting more time and more thought and hopefully a tiny bit more intentionality into that purchase before you make it. And you've also done another thing, right? You've built in some accountability because now your friend knows the stupid things that you're buying with your money.
0: I think I make really great purchases. So if TT says it's stupid, I'm going to say, you're not thinking about this in the right way. (laughs) Let me add some perspective.
1: (laughs) And then we'll have a long conversation. And maybe by the end of that, you won't want it anymore. So when you're ready to use FinTech as a tool in your financial strategy, how do you evaluate which one to go with? There are two big things to consider. One is fees. Some apps make a profit by charging you to use their services. And those fees can add up. So read the terms and conditions carefully. The other thing to research closely is the company's customer service.
2: If there's no easy way to communicate with, with an app or you have a question and you can't get it answered, that's a big red flag, right? If you can't pick up the phone and call someone or you can't get into a little, um, you know, in a, in a chat box and talk to someone or there's no way to email them, then uh, I'd, I'd be a little bit concerned.
0: Ultimately, fintech is supposed to work for you. And if it's not, you can always go old school. There's no shame in ditching the tech.
2: Sometimes it's actually easier for people to save with cash. Have that material cash in a drawer, um, lock it up, don't go in there, don't look at it. Only think about it, you know, on payday. And then when there's a big chunk of it and it's making making you nervous or making you twitch, just take it to the bank.
0: One of my favorite things is to use cash.
1: Oh, I don't even know what that looks like anymore. I'm sure you don't. TT is all (laughs) digital. I don't carry cash. I don't have have a quarter. I don't have a nickel. I don't got none of it.
0: I'm always the friend that has some cash. You know, I like to start out and say, this is how much cash I have for just ridiculous purchases. (laughs) (laughs) This is my cash for Whole Foods, for coffee, for a soft drink. Like, this
1: is my cash for that. Mm -hmm. And when that's done, that's it. There's no more. I would run into issues because I once it runs out, then my brain would be like, you need it now. <laughs> now you really need that Coke. And exactly. And I'd be like, well, I need a Coca-Cola. I, I know I'm out of my cash, but I have this card.
0: <laughs> well, then my strategy wouldn't work for you. And that's OK. That's the thing to remember. Everything ain't for everybody. That's a good conclusion for this episode. Yes. Do what works for you. And for some of y'all, in order to find out what works for you, you might have to spend a little time looking in the mirror. You have to say, what is my weak spot? Is it wing stop on Fridays for lemon (laughs) pepper wings? Those are delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a double impossible
1: Whopper, TT? Yes. Yes, it is. And All of my weaknesses are food, I'm finding. But guess what? 2020, we eating what we have at home. That's what I said I would do, and that's what I'm going to do. So
0: I'm going heavy veggie. I mean, you know I I eat a lot of vegetables. I support you.
1: Yes, my friend, she loves an herb. She loves lentils, and she (laughs) loves a green.
0: Leafy greens are the way to go. And so (laughs) I know that my weak spots are clothes Mm. and food. And it's not even food like grocery store food. It's like going out to eat. If you say at... 7.45, 7.45, can you meet me at 8.30 for oysters? Yes, I can. <laughs> Every time, whether I had it on, the, whether I, <laughs> whether it was my plan or not, yes, I can. And so I want to think a little bit
1: more. I want to be able to put a road bump or a speed bump between me and old Ebbett. I always fall victim to ads on social media. Really? They are so good. They really know me. So what I've been doing is when I see an ad, I'll say no. I'll say remove this ad, it is not relevant. And so that I won't see it over and over and over again. Cause that's another thing that gets me. If I see an ad three or four times, I'm like, okay, well I need it then.
0: One of my strategies that's been working for me for shopping is I will put all this stuff in my shopping cart. Oh yes, I like this. I'm gonna get it down to an even number. I need to get it down to under this amount, right? If it's $300 in my shopping cart, I need to get it down to 200, always a hundred lower, mm-hmm. which is already the wrong scale to be shopping <laughs> on. And then the next thing I do is just leave it in the cart. I can't buy it that day. Leave it. I open a new tab on top of it. And at the rate that I open tabs, sometimes I'm 30 tabs deep. And I forget about that
1: stuff. (laughs) And if I forgot about
0: it, I didn't need it. Exactly. I
1: didn't need it. Yeah. Sometimes you just need a good night's sleep in between putting it in your cart and hitting complete purchase. And that saved me so many times.
0: I logged in the other day on Anthropology. Do you know how many candles popped up in that shopping cart? (laughs) All right, that's it for Lab 21. Don't forget to check out our website for a cheat sheet on today's episode. You can find it and sign up for our newsletter at DopeLabsPodcast.com.
1: Also, we love hearing from you. What do you think about today's lab? What are your ideas for future labs? Our number is 202-567-7028. Call us.
0: You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at DopeLabsPodcast. TT is on Twitter at dr underscore TSHO. And you can find Zakia at Z said so. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Bill Maurer. We'll link to his website in our show notes. This episode of Dope Labs is produced by Jenny Rattle Mast of Wave Runner Studios and Elizabeth Nakano.
1: Mixing and sound design by Hannes Brown. Special thanks to Roy Hurst. Original theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiura with additional music by Elijah LX Harvey.
0: Dope Labs is a production of Spotify Studios and Mega Own Media Group. And it's executive produced by us, Titi Shadia and Zakia Watley. My favorite exercise is dinner parties. <laughs> I like to shuffle things around, chop.
1: Yes. Pick up, hey.
0: pull down the oven,
1: pull do you, out. Do you want to do that exercise today? <laughs> Y'all I'll have buy
0: food. the groceries. <laughs> you have the food, I'm happy to.